All right, I'm on, I guess. Very good. Hey, well, let's pray. God, we know that today is a day that just going to have some heavy hearts. We do recognize this as just a tragedy that happened 21 years ago. And God, I pray for, for those that, that just still feel the, the incredible pain of, of people that they've lost or, or how their, their life was just radically, radically changed because of what they might have gone through through that. God, that is a day that certainly reminded us of, of our need for you. God, and I pray that, that we, that, that the people of God, that, that we would understand that, that we have a message of hope that we can share with others. And God, that we would see just how important it is for them to hear about the hope that can only be found in you. May today be a day that reminds us of that. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in a series called Reboot. And as we've been looking at this, this idea of reboot, we've been looking at this from this perspective of, of what is it that, that we need to be doing <clears throat> when it comes to our life that we go, hey, where's I need to reprioritize my energy? What is it that I really need to be giving my life toward? What is it I need to be giving my life to? We've been looking at what is it that we need to reduce that's not essential what is it that we just need to, to cut back and cut away? And I know that some are just hardwired in such a way that every time you see an opportunity, you just kind of pick it up and you just, oh, that's another opportunity. And maybe I should be doing that. Or, or I didn't see, there was three second delay. Nobody's paying, okay, I'll take that one. And some of us were just hardwired that way. And we need to, hey, we need to reduce what's not essential if we're going to reduce the stress and anxiety from our life. That, that we need to refocus our lives on what matters most. And if we don't choose what we're going to focus on, somebody else will. And so we, we've got to take hold of this. That I shared with you guys that this very first week, I shared with you that the American Psychology Association had done a study. And at this study, they, they said, what is it that's stressing out Americans the most? And what they found is what's stressing us out the most, it's time, it's money, it's job, the workplace, and it is relationships. Those are our top four stressors, things that just add anxiety to our life. And if, if you've been here throughout the series, you might have picked up on already, wow, I think those are the very things that we've been talking about. And it is. It's, it's what we've been taking the time to be working through. Where is it that, that we could really use a reboot on where it is that we are getting stressed out in life? And today... We're going to talk about work in progress. Work in progress. That's for us, that we are all a work in progress. In fact, Jesus had some things that he wanted us to know about being a work in progress. In Mark chapter 8, he says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It was not an easy invitation. It was an invitation that said, hey, if you really want to follow me, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to deny yourself your cravings, your desires, your want, your easy road that you want to take. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to take up the burden, a daily burden of what it really means to be able to live for God, your heavenly father. You're going to have to carry your cross. Then follow me. This is what he laid out for us. And he continued, he said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus said, in God's economy, it's an upside down economy. It's not about you working hard to save your life because you're going to lose it if that's what you do. But it's when you lose your life and live it for your heavenly father. And you do that because you recognize who Jesus is. That's when you're going to have life. And that's when you're going to get to the point where your life is going to be saved and will save it. And what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What, what good is that? It, it makes me think about just our own spiritual growth, the, 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 the track of spiritual growth. In fact, there are four stages of spiritual growth that end up happening, and they, they look like this. That you're in, in, in your first stage... Yeah, some of you guys have asked me, are you really controlling that or is somebody backstage controlling that? And the answer is yes. <laughs> and so, yes, I'm trying to control it, but if it does not cooperate or I get out of order or need to jump or skip something, then yes, there is somebody that is working that and we're able to keep going. So uh, that's just uh, side information for you. Let's get back to this. So, so here's our four stages of spiritual growth. This first stage is the crowd. And, and here it's a, it's a come and see. This is a, hey, you don't have to believe to belong here. You don't have to believe what I'm teaching. You don't have to believe the word of God. You don't have to believe what we as a church, what we stand behind and stand on and say, hey, these are core spiritual truths. That at the crowd level, it's just a, it's a come and see. It's exploring. It's seeing. It's this discovery. And so as you're looking and you're seeing and you're discovering that we just want you to feel welcomed here and loved here if this happens to be you. Because we're interested in creating a relationship with you and you being able to be here to hear about the truths of God. And so what's the next one? The next one, the next one is, I'm cheating, there we go, is the congregation and it's come and join us. Congregation is come and join us. And, and this is really about joining the family of God. This isn't about joining the church necessarily, but I really believe, like Rick Warren has taught, if you're a Christ follower and you don't have a church home, you're spiritually, you're, you're an orphan because we, we should be part of a church home. And right now, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when I say that, but, but it's so important that we, once we have a place where we go, hey, because of my belief, I want to have a place that I get to belong and be part of a local church family. And that, that you don't just attend, but, but you actually have a real sense of belonging. One of the things that we do around here, we call it growth track. And growth track, it's, it's just a way for us to be able to help you. And if you're somebody that, that you're either new to Crosspoint or you're new to the faith, or maybe you've been in the faith for a while, but you just really haven't been growing in that, and you're just like going, hey, what, what can I do to start moving that further along? It's growth track. That, that, that's what that is. And, and for us, what we'll have this in October, October 2nd, the first Sunday, will be the start of growth track three weeks in a row. And the very first one is about belonging. It's about really understanding what does it mean to belong to the family of God? What does it really mean to even belong to a local church? 
And it would be a great way for you to, to, to go, hey, I, I want to kind of move along in my spiritual journey and really feel connected. I'm part of the church, part of the congregation, that I'd encourage you to come for that. And, and maybe I, that you hear all of that and you're going, I don't, I don't know if it's worth it, Will. Well, well let, me, let me say one other thing that might make it worth it. Free barbecue. I don't know if I can bribe you to get there. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, it, it's so good for you to be able to come and really know what is this thing about belonging and that, that we're willing to feed you a good meal just to try to encourage you to come. But you know, when you're sitting around a table and enjoying a good meal and you're sitting with other people, you know what ends up happening naturally? Some conversations. You get to meet some people in, in a non-threatening way. It's just a great way to grow through that. Well, what, what's next for us? What's next for us is the committed in the spiritual growth stages. And that's the come and grow. It, it's where we're, we're going, hey, I, I'm, I'm not interested in just kind of being out there and sitting in a row and seeing what I can get from sitting in a row. But, but I know that there's so much more for me that I long for to really be connected to my heavenly father that, that for us, we need to understand once you're a believer, that don't just be a believer, be a becomer, that, that, that we are becoming more and more like Christ. We are becoming more of what God's created us to be. And so don't stop at just saying, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I believe in God, but be somebody who's being a becomer. And we have different ways that, that, that we help you be a becomer more than just sitting in a row. I mean, this is good. And, and, and I encourage you guys to be here. If you're watching at home and you're connected that way, yes, those are good. But there's ways that can help us go even further because we only get so far in our spiritual journey when, when we do church sitting in a row or sitting on a chair at home and watching a screen. That there's so much more to life that we get to grow in our faith when we're growing in a smaller group with other people. That we have the, the last Saturday of this month, that, that we have a day retreat for the ladies, bling. It, it just, it'd be so good for you to go, hey, I, I want to go and spend my day with some other women who are interested in becoming more of who God's called us and created us to be. That, that today, we're, we're doing something for our community groups, our small groups. Now, now, we call our small groups, we call them journey teams. And the reason we call them journey teams is because we recognize that life is a journey. And that journey is not meant to be traveled alone. And so we have these journey teams that allows you to get together with some other people. That what we've recognized is that, that more often than not, that, that we grow our faith faster and it goes further when we get in a circle with some people than what we do when we're just sitting in a row. We also get to experience community on a whole nother level. And so we're doing today this thing that we call our connection party, our journey team connection party. And it's going to be at 1230. And at our journey team connection party, you get to go out there and you get to say, hey, what groups are meeting and what's their dynamic and, and what is it they're trying to do when they come together and they, as they gather together. So it's, not everything is just this hardcore Bible study. 
that sometimes it's, hey, it can be a game night group or it can be a physical activity thing that they're doing together. It might even be that a group says, hey, we're just going to go out to eat together as a small group and we're just going to do a small little thing or study or even review the Sunday message. But it's about getting together with others. And at this Journey Team Connection Party, you can look and you can see, hey, what nights are people meeting? What locations are they meeting at? What time is it? And you get to see all of that. And we are so committed for you to be in a small group that we pick up the tab if you need childcare. And, and, and we provide that because we are so committed for you being somebody that you can be part of the committed group. And the last stage is the core. And, and here, it's a come and serve. It, it, it's not just a, a come and attend and, and you keep growing and, and, and knowledge, and, but it's literally a, hey, I'm going to be part of the court. I'm going to come and I'm going to serve. It's not just about getting a good seat in the stands. Instead, it's about getting in the game. That it's about, I, I know that I want to, to give myself to the church that I'm part of, and so I'm going to be part of the core. That, yeah, it, it's good when we can, you know, be in the bleachers, but it's so much better when we can get on the field. This is a better view of being involved in your church, and it's part of our growth in the way that we have these stages of spiritual growth. Well, we're all a work in progress, and I hope that you're working on your progress wherever you're at here. But, but we're not just a work in progress when we look at, hey, being in church, but we're also a work in progress even in the workplace. That, that even here, we find ourselves being a work in progress. I, I found some statistics, some recent statistics about where we are when it comes to work, that 80% of workers feel stressed at their jobs. I was kind of expecting an amen. <laughs> you know, because we can look at this and go, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those 80%. I, I do, I feel stressed at my job. And whatever your job is, your job might be a homemaker. You know, your job might be this thing that's, um, we'll just call it a grand nanny. You know, that, that you're somebody that you kind of did your career thing and you're done and you get to get to those retirement years and you kind of in the early side of that and you've got some grown kids and your grown kids, they have some kids of their own and they start paying for daycare and they see that you're at home. And they're kind of like, I'm paying this and you're at home. Wouldn't you like some quality time with your grandchild? And we're just like, hey, and so what happened? We ended up creating this job. Now here's your job. You're, you're a grandnanny. That, that's, that's what you are. Maybe you're a full-time employee. Maybe you're a full-time student. Maybe you're part-time. Maybe you got more than one job. But, but all of us, we, we've got something that we're doing with our time. And as we're doing this thing with our time, it becomes our work, whether we're working on our future as a student or whether we're working in our current job. But 80% of us are stressed out with our jobs. You know, it's, it's like the, the can crusher that, that, that quit his job and he quits his job and he goes home and he's home early and his mom sees that he's walking through the door and it's like, aren't you supposed to be at work? Well, well, I quit. And she's like, well, why, why did you quit? And he says, that job is so depressing. <laughs> you know, but, but we do, we, we get stressed out in the workplace. There was the guy that went, 
to his boss and he said, um, uh, boss, I, I, I need a raise. I've got a couple of other companies coming after me and I, and I need a raise. And his boss said, well, well, who is it that's coming after you? He said, well, the water company and the electric company. <laughs> so I need, I need a raise. You know, we've, we've got this stress that we're like going, hey, I, I, I need more. I'm giving my time, I'm giving my, but I, I'm not getting what I need. And so you do, you come. I, I think about that CEO that got let go because he wasn't cutting it. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to give the next guy a, a better fair shake than what I got here. And so the, the last thing he does before he leaves his office is he sits down, he gets himself four envelopes, some pieces of paper, and he starts writing something. He puts it in every single envelope, has a different note in it. And then he writes a note and puts that underneath these envelopes. And he says, dear new CEO, this job can be tough. And when it gets tough, when a crisis hits, I've left some envelopes for you. I've labeled them one, two, three, and four. And go through them in the order of when those crises come. So the new guy comes, he's there for several months, everything seems to be going well until it isn't. And the guy remembers, oh yes, I was given these envelopes. So he goes and he goes to these envelopes and he opens it and inside that first envelope, he reads this little note. When in a crisis, blame the former CEO. It's like, oh, that's good. So he does, he blames it, and we just have enough time, and, and everybody's like, oh, you know what, you're right, and so that, that worked. Well, just a few months later, it seems like there was another crisis that comes, and then he's like, oh, that first envelope really helped, it bought me some time, what do I, he goes to that envelope, he opens it up, and he, and he reads it, and it says, blame the economy. It's like, oh, that's good, that's good, that's, especially right now, that's really good, you know? And so he does, he, he does that, and everybody in the board's like, oh, okay, yeah, we get it, you're right, okay, yeah, you're, and, so just, and so they just get, he bought himself some more time. Another crisis happens. Gets that third envelope, he opens it up, and it, it says, blame the workers. And he's like, blame the workers? Does that really work? So he tries, he blames the workers, and <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> didn't get anywhere with that one. And so he just quickly goes back to the envelope, the last one he's got, and he goes, okay, what you got for me? He opens it up, and it says, prepare four envelopes. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's, oh, you're done. We all get stressed in our workplace, but it's a matter of what we're doing with our stress. Here's a few other statistics for you to just understand what we're dealing with. 25% of the workforce have felt like screaming or shouting because of their workplace stress. You know why it's 25% that have felt like it? Because the other 75% just do it. <laughs> but do we have? There's some that are, I've got this restraint. I'm, I'm not going to. And, and we have this, this stress. 10% are concerned about a certain individual that they fear could become violent. And, and, and this is how you know that this is a reality. 14% have felt like hitting a coworker. It's like, hey, I, I know I'm sitting, you know, and, and they're, they're putting it all together. I'm, I'm concerned. And that's just what we're dealing with in our, in our workplace. 18% experience some sort of threat or verbal intimidation from a coworker, that, that when we see these things, it's easy for us to go, yeah, anxiety in the workplace, it's real. It, it, it exists. It, it, it is certainly something that is there, and we're not making this up. 
But when it comes to this workplace stress and this workplace anxiety, that this isn't a, a new problem. This isn't something that, that's just kind of quickly kept up, crept up on us. In fact, this is something that is actually a, it's a 3,000 year old problem. Because there's a guy, King Solomon, and he actually wrote about this thing called workplace anxiety, workplace stress. And let's see what, what he had to tell us about this. And so I'm out of order. Let me get to this first. So we've been looking at this passage, and we've been looking at this all series long, what Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. And this anxieties of life, it's why we're doing this series, because we all know what these are like. And so this isn't new for us. We've, we've seen this. We've experienced this. And so Solomon wrote, so I hated life because of the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. And all of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. That we get there, we know this. And, and so some of us have this mentality of which where we're at. And we have a song that was kind of something that just kind of resonates with us. It's, it's take this job and shove it. But what I want us to get to is I want us to get to a different place. And the place that I want us to get to is take this job and love it. And, and, and what is it? What, what's, what's that going to take? How is it that we can get to a place where we would take this job and that we would, that we would love it? Because some of us, you know, we, we need to understand this, that, that, that you can be in the middle of turmoil. You can be in the middle of chaos. And yet in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos and pressure, you can still have peace. That, that peace is still possible even in the midst of the pressure. But, but how do we get there? How, how do we get to know that that is something that we can actually have and that we can experience? Well, Jesus, he told us in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That, that I've done this, I, I've overcome the world. But I want you to see that Jesus, yes, he said this, you're gonna have trouble, take heart, I'm gonna overcome the world. I want you to see that the first half of John 16, 33. What did he write before, what did he say before he said this? And he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And if you've not read John 16, or maybe, I'm John chapter 16, if you've not read it, or maybe you're just, I've read it, but I don't remember what it, it, it was a warning chapter about, about all of the difficulties that are about to come to his disciples, his ones that are committed to his cause, and all of the trouble that's getting ready to come, what Jesus would go through and what they would go through. But he said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. That, that Jesus, he didn't just speak all these encouraging words. They were discouraging words. But it's why he said, take heart, because I have overcome the world that he has done this. So let's look at how to improve being a work in progress. Three things I wanna share with you this morning. The first one is discover that my real purpose, discover my real purpose and make a difference 
with my life. That that's what we all need to do. That we would discover our real purpose and that we would make a difference with our life. That that all of us share in common two things when it comes to purpose. That we would know God and that we would make him known. That that is part of our real purpose. And and maybe you're listening and you're like going, I'm not even sure that I really do know God and I'm not sure there's a God to even know. Well, we're certainly glad that you're here. And we think if you'll just keep looking, God's gonna keep showing himself and making himself very real to you. And once you do know him, that part of your purpose now is that you are making him known. When I think about people in the workplace, the the people in the workplace that are joyful, they're, they're not joyful because they have a better job than you do. They're not joyful because they have a better team than you do. They're not joyful because they've got a better 401k than you do. They're not joyful because they have a better office than you do. They're not joyful for these things, for their benefits. They're joyful because they understand their real purpose. And they're living out their life making a difference. And if we can begin to see this and go, I get to take this wherever I go. See, we're all called by God to make a difference. That that is a calling that that we all have, that that we all share. But there's something that I want you to see and I want you to, to know and to process this. A career is something that you live on. It's this thing that goes, hey, I show up, I trade my time, I get a paycheck. And that's your reward. We, there's something to live on. But yet when it comes to a calling, a calling is something that you live for. That, that a calling is, hey, what, what has God called you to do and to be? That that's really what we live for. That, that's where we begin to go, hey, I'm gonna find joy because I am living out my calling. And, and, and a few people, not very many, a few people get to take their calling and their career and they get to intersect together. That, that I get to show up here every Monday and, and I'm showing up to my career and I'm showing up to my calling. And, and I'm not doing that and I'm not saying that so that you guys all feel like, oh, must be nice to be you. I'm telling you this because very few people get this to where they intersect, they merge, that they come together. Very few get this. In fact, when we look at our Bible, we begin to know the people of our Bible because there's a few of them that really kind of stand out that we feel like we get to know them a little bit more. We know a little bit more about, about Moses. We know a little bit more about this guy named Abraham. And, and we know a little bit more about this guy named Jesus in our New Testament. And, and then there's Peter and James and John in our New Testament. But, but maybe one of the more famous ones outside of Jesus in our New Testament is a guy named Paul. And maybe the reason he's so famous is because he actually wrote 13 of our 27 books that make up our New Testament, that he, that he wrote half of our New Testament. And we get to know him. But I want you to know something about him that maybe you didn't realize, that his calling was to be an apostle. 
his calling that he had in life was, I, I, I am to go and I'm to take people that are far from God and lead them to God. I'm to go and I'm to take people that, hey, they have an understanding of God and I'm gonna take them further in their journey and their relationship with God. That, That was his calling, but it wasn't his career. His career was that he was actually a tent maker. We're gonna see that in a little bit, that he actually had this career as a tent maker, that he didn't wanna be a burden to others. He's like, hey, let me do this career thing. And as I do this career thing, it's gonna be able to allow me to feed myself and take care of myself. And we can just raise money to go do the mission trips and go do those things. But his career and his calling, they did not intersect. They did not come together. So let's look at what Paul had to say when he was writing the church of, of Colossians. He says, since then... You have been raised with Christ. He said, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And this is all about us understanding what we should be doing if we're gonna be this work in progress, that we'd set our minds on on things above, on eternal things and not on earthly things. And he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That that's what we would get, that that's what we would understand, that, that if we want to reduce our workplace stress and our workplace anxiety, that you need to start your day with your heart set on eternity, not on earthly things. I don't know how you start your day, but maybe you're somebody that, that you start your day and, and, and you're one of those people, you, you wake up and you're like, oh, it's morning, you know, and some of you people might be a little bit more like me, and it's like, good Lord, it's morning, you know, but, but we get there, and our morning comes, and it's always going to come, but what are you going to do with that, and, and you've got to decide, some of you, you're like going, hey, I'm going to be committed to my faith and growing that, and, and part of my morning routine is I'm going to sit at the table, I'm going to open God's word, I'm going to read some scripture, maybe read a devotional, spend a little bit of time in prayer, I'm going to give God verse seven, nine minutes of my day, whatever that is, and that, that that's you. Uh, let me tell you what my routine is, just as I get started with my day. That, that I either wake up before my alarm goes off or my alarm goes off, and, and both of those happen quite a bit to me, and, and, and before my feet hit the ground, I just stay in bed for several minutes, and I just start my day with prayer. And I really do, and this prayer that I've been praying for just a little over a month now, and I just keep coming back to this prayer, and this prayer that I'm praying is, God, show me how I can live for you. God, show me the opportunity that you're putting before me so I can make a difference in the life of another person. I I just keep praying this. God, would you give me this? I'm not necessarily saying these words every time, but that's my focus. I'm not necessarily saying, God, give me an an eternal mindset, but but that's where I'm going. And I just keep doing this over and over. that's That's my prayer. It's just my repetition prayer right now. And I do this, and I just spend some time just camping out with God before I'm going to physically get up out of bed and start my day. Because I know for me that, that once my, my feet hit the ground, I just get in, in go mode. I, I'm one of those people that, that once I, my feet hit the ground, I'm pretty much in 21 minutes, I'm getting ready to head out the door. That, that's just me. But I want to spend the start of my day just focusing on God give me an eternal perspective and not an earthly one. And so it's so important for us to to get there. Paul continues in Colossians 3, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
that, that we do that tomorrow morning when you wake up, don't, don't, don't just put on your physical clothes. That, that when you get up, put, put on your spiritual clothes. Get dressed spiritually with an eternal mindset that we would do this. And Paul he just continues to write, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. And if anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I think one of the number one things that will keep us from having an eternal perspective with our day and limiting it to an earthly perspective is that when we have unforgiveness in our heart toward another person, it just keeps everything focused on the temporary, everything focused on the past, and that is an earthly focus. And we need to have an eternal focus is what Paul really wanted us to have that experiencing peace at work, it isn't determined by your boss. But peace in the workplace is determined by how you let God in to work on you. Being a work in progress. That that is what we need to understand. That we would let God in to work on us. Paul continues, he says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That if we're going to have peace and patience, and God, if we're going to have these virtues, that we're going to have that because we have a love, a love for God and a love others. And that we get to do that even in our workplace. So second one is discover my vocation gives me a ministry location. That, that if we're going to be a work in progress, that, that we all have a, that this thing that, that we're going, hey, this is my responsibility that I come to, okay? And whether that's you at, at, in your home that you have that, whether it's you for a job and maybe you work from home or maybe you show up somewhere, but, but where you are that as you interact with others, that your ministry vocation gives you, your, your career vocation gives you a ministry location, and, and you get to do that. For, for, for me, it, it's one of the things that I struggle with. Because see, I, I don't get the opportunity that most of you get. Most of you have the opportunity that, that you work in such a place that there are people all around you that you work with, these employees, these coworkers, or maybe it's the customers and the clientele that, that you're going, hey, all week long, I, I'm, I'm around people that they are hungry for hope. They, 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 they feel hopeless and they don't know where to turn and you're given an opportunity. I, 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 don't, I don't get that like you get that. that. That for me, when I look at my work week, it's just chock full of meetings and I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and I carve out some time and go, hey, message prep, make sure that you're doing that because Sundays, many of you guys get as an opportunity. In fact, we, we've hired some people and some of the people we've hired over the years, they haven't lasted very long. And the reason they haven't lasted very long is because they thought that coming to work at Crosspoint was going to be like summer camp. Hey, I, I got to come to church every day. We're going to experience church every day. It's going to be a kumbaya. We're going to sing some songs, have a Bible study. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And they get here just like, this feels like a job. It's like, yeah, it is because Sunday's coming. And we do, we, we have a job. But if we could look at this and we could see my vocation gives me a ministry location and that we have an eternal mindset, not an earthly one, we will begin to see the opportunities that God puts before us. That if you're just going to work 
just to pay the bills. It's going to be hard to do more than just be willing to just show up. It's about seeing more than that and seeing the opportunity that you and I, that we have before us. In Acts chapter 18, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. That's just context. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. That as he was a tent maker and he'd move from location to location and go and make tents there and, and, and be able to do them and sell them to the people. And, but as he was doing that, he would go, I'm going to go to whatever the local synagogue is here. The synagogue was not made up of people who believed in Jesus and he was resurrected from the dead. The, the synagogue was where people were going, hey, we're just still following everything about the Old Testament. And yeah, we believe that one day a Messiah is going to come. And he would go in there because his workplace put him in a location where he could minister to these people. Paul was constantly maximizing every opportunity that was put before him because he had an eternal mindset, not an earthly one that was limited to what his project was that was due. That when you hear a hurt, help. That, that whatever you do, you hear a hurt, and then you need to step up and, and help. That, that, that's having this eternal perspective. God, why did you put me here? Why are you allowing me to see this? When, when you're somebody that you're working and you notice a need with somebody, it's help. It, it, it's recognized that the project itself is not the most important thing. But it's the people that you get an opportunity with that becomes the most important thing. This last one, how to improve being a work in progress is work for God, not people. That you would really understand to whom do you really answer to? Who is the boss? Now, as you hear this, I'm not encouraging you when your boss asks you or tells you to do something for you to say, uh, you're not the boss of me. My, my boss is God. Uh, th- th- that's not where I'm going with this. You do have responsibility in your workplace to the person that you answer to there. But your greater responsibility is to your heavenly father that you work for him. That Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That, that when you see that, you go, Hey, my, my, my work that I'm doing, that, that I'm working for God. Where, wherever God put me, wherever God planted me, I'm working for God, not for people. That I'm, I'm, I'm put here and I've been given a location that is a ministry location because of my vocation. But you've got to have this eternal mindset and be in this work in progress. You're saying, God, I want you to work on me. And as God works on you, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you an assignment that says, hey, work on helping them. Work on loving them. Work on encouraging them. Work on supporting them. Work on helping to carry a burden for them. Because you work for me. 
and not just for people. And Paul wrote, he says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Because see, when we go to the workplace and we trade our time for that paycheck, that paycheck's our reward. But our Heavenly Father is telling us, work for me. And that's not going to involve you getting a paycheck. What that's going to involve is you getting an inheritance that's going to last for all of eternity. And so what we need to do is we need to see when it comes to who I am and what I'm doing and what this workplace is all about. That it's about me understanding my real purpose when it comes to our workplace. That, that I really do, that I, that I understand that. And I understand that I get to be somebody that I'm, I'm working for God and not for people. And as I work for God, that I love on people. And God has given you a location that is unique to you so that you can use this eternal perspective and eternal focus to help somebody else who's got this tunnel vision of an earthly focused life and you can help remove those blinders in a very loving and gentle way when you see a hurt and you see a need and you help What's going to happen is you're probably not going to finish the project. You're probably not going to get as far as you wanted to get. But when you go, and if you're working at home and you walk out of your home office, or if you're working somewhere and you step away from the office building and you go to head home, what's going to be on your mind is not how much of that project you didn't get done. What's going to be on your heart and on your mind? is the joy of God using you to love on and to help somebody else in their time of hurt and their time of need and that you got to share hope and the hope of Christ with them. And when that takes place, joy, joy just comes over you. That's the difference of working for God and working with an eternal perspective. And it's the best perspective that we can have. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as tomorrow morning comes, don't let us settle to just get physically dressed, but let us get spiritually dressed as well. And then give us eyes to see a need, a hurt, an opportunity to share with somebody else an eternal focus that you've given us so that we can love on them and that we can help them. God, so that we can experience joy in our workplace because we see it as a ministry location. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.